It's the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast with your host, Paula Price, taking on the issues, representing Jesus Christ, unapologetically truthful, taking on popular opinion, and now your host, Paula Price. You know, I thank God for, my, for the congregation of the mighty where God stands. I never leave off where God stands because that is our distinctive. You know, Jesus doesn't go to a lot of churches. And today he has fewer and fewer to let him in. But when God brought me back online, I wanted to make sure that he understood that this is his place of worship. He can do anything he wants to do here. Anything. I don't care what he does. Because when you love someone, you have no limits on them. They're important. Is that right? So I want you to know, and I'm saying to you all, This is the congregation of the mighty where God stands, sits, sings, dance, heals, kills, fills, builds. We can go on. You know, everything on me wanted to talk about pedigree today because I got it laid out for six months. I'm so excited. I can pedal y'all grease for a long time. (laughs) And so... I started Thursday with the young man, remember the young 30-year-old pastor who committed suicide because Jesus wasn't the way. Isn't that interesting? Because Jesus wasn't the way. He was not only not enough, he was not the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So if you go under the Father, you should have gone through Jesus. You see, because we have this, this, what I like to call this churchian salvation. And then we have this Messiah salvation. And the church in salvation will pick up any death culture, any death theology that works. As long as the people feel good about being who they are, never changing, and never becoming people of faith. Well, actually they do. They have faith in fallen and dead gods. Suicide is a deity. See, we don't want to talk about that. But because we have pushed this thing into the the narrow box of personal experience. Faith experience. It's an experience that we define, that we concoct based on what we are feeling at the moment or seeking from the invisible realm. You all following me? Suicide is a spirit. It's a devil. It is a fallen God. And it is a God that was worshipped until the prince of life took over. Under the Old Testament, 
other than Israel, all of those deities had an afterlife theology and set of rituals that their people under their domain followed. And all of them were best based on nature for beginning. Well, the devil wanted to give them something to look at, but they were based on nature. Now, why am I saying, are we, am I recording? Because I don't want a disappointment. So let me tell you, they all had, they all had a story to explain death and a deception to console the grieving. Because that's why we have funerals. We do funerals for that reason. Now we say, we do them to say, hey, we acknowledge your God, talking about Christian, you know, the God of life, because there was only one God of life. That's our uniqueness, our pedigree. Only one God of life, only one God of the living. Every other deity is a God of the dead. You have to do your homework. Enroll in Price University. Oh, yeah, this is a, God is disturbed about this trend. And I'm telling you, that devil is hot because I'm taking it on. I mean, that thing has worked me this week. Well, I worked it. So we just shed a bow. All night, fussing, fussing, fussing. Wake me up, fussing. And you know what? I said, thank you. Now I understand why Paul said, I rejoice in tribulation. I'm winning. I'm winning. So when you think of death and life, suicide belongs to the God of the dead. Now the prince of the dead is Satan. He's the first one to die. He's the first one to kill himself. Because he tried to take on his God. And he killed himself much like criminals do. They keep picking at the righteous till the righteous takes them out. So he kept picking at what? Y'all, come on. Stay, don't lose this because I'm telling you, God is taking that devil down. So... When you think life, think Jesus Christ, because the Bible tells us Jesus had to come to earth to let us know what life is, because earth was all about death. It was all about dying. And so Jesus comes to the planet and starts talking about life. I'm bringing the life of our realm that has always existed. Somebody hear me. To earth. The Bible said Jesus brought life and immortality to life. It's in him. In him was life. And in order for God to, bring, to, to buy us back from the dead, to bring us back from the dead, to d- deliver us from mortality, we had to get in him who is the prince of life. So you see all of these people walking around with death thoughts, they're not in the prince of life. Because God said nobody will snatch you out of my hand.
My job, I told you I'm an agent of the Godhead, and every apostle will be. I got a couple of up-and-coming apostles. Y'all think I don't recognize y'all, but I don't tell y'all because y'all go crazy. Y'all adorn yourself, anoint yourself, appoint yourself, promote yourself. I don't have anything to do. I look around and I got all these new apostles I never met in my church. So I know my saints, so I can't tell you I recognize you, but I do. And I recognize how you handle me. Because if you're called to be an apostle, I don't stun you and I don't destabilize you. I illustrate you and exemplify you. You know how y'all like to get your feelings hurt over nothing? Apostles know better because Satan lives on hurting feelings because her feelings will stop bothering him. We withdraw, we get sullen, we get moody. Isn't that true? You know you're ready when you can take the good, the bad, and the ugly and get better for all of it. Then you're ready. Somebody hear me? I just want to say that. I don't know who y'all are in here, but I just want to tell y'all. Because, see, some of y'all, y'all skin too thin to help God win. And, see, our job, the apostle's job is to take care of the tent. And to handle his battles. And to do so with boldness and assurity. And when you get to, you can know you're the one because you get to slinking and God say, huh? You want to fall back in the huh? Uh-uh, get out there. You know, God is the one to keep pushing you in the fight. You're like, did you see the last six blows I took? <laughs> I know you saw my jaw out of joint. He said, you got another side gone. That's why I gave you two sides. (laughs) You know, you have to be powerful to be a Christian. You just have to be a person to be a church here. You got to be powerful to be a Christian. That's why Christians don't commit suicide. Because we are powerful. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am filled with all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Do you not know that God lives in you? Come on somebody. You cannot wipe yourself out if you belong to the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost ain't going out like that. And a lot of times, I think every pastor in America needs to have an altar call. You need to have an altar call. I know we got so cool, we don't do altar calls. Well, what if nobody comes? Then everybody's saved or the lost wants to stay lost. We had a whole era where we started weeping and crying and whatnot. I never cried over a lost soul in my life. And you know why? Because I can't find them without Jesus anyway. Because salvation is of Jesus Christ. Now, I preached the gospel. I prayed. I interceded. I even had to wait. Come, some people come slowly. But everybody has a day of salvation. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what a devil says. All of that stuff that's, that weaved its way into our 
theology into our faith. All of that is paganism. Because those missionaries went overseas and looked at those rituals and, 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 and thought, wow, that's fun. Because they had these little boring rituals in Europe and in the West. But they went over there and they said, ooh, look at that. They can walk around naked. They can have sex anywhere. They can call worshiping God sex. They can, ooh, this is great. We're going to just bring that back home. And if you don't believe me, look at some of those documentaries today. They will celebrate all of those death rituals. Now, that's not, even, that's not just the missionaries. The missionaries have gone to college. Now, university pre- pre- professors are celebrating the same rituals that destroyed the people that they went to visit. They didn't even go to help the people. They just went to go and, and, and steal their perversion so that they can feed their hidden, hedonistic desires. Let's find a new way to have destructive sex. So when, and let's find out that, because think about it, Christ was the only one for life, the only one for holiness, the only one for purity, was then, still is today. But we need a little death. Everybody need a little death in their life. We all need a little sin. And the way just to sin is death. That's why I said everybody need a little death in their life. We need a little death. We need to find something to imbibe that's going to help us. We can't get it from Jesus Christ because he said, be not drunk with wine. So we know we can't go to him to get high. At least not a nature high. So we have to go to the dead, the gods of the dead. And from Genesis to Revelation, the Lord Almighty's issue has been the gods of the dead. Those 69 nations, they're all dead gods. All of them. They introduced, they, they, Satan introduced Adam and Eve to death, its rituals, and its culture. And when they entered him, when he entered them, he then began to transform them into vessels of death, doom, and mortality because he could not give them life. They had life. They had life. So when you think about this, we we keep trying to handle handle this subject from our favorite pastor or speaker's theology. The fact that people are born to die tell us this predates theology. God has people who kill themselves in the Bible. Saul committed suicide, but he was rejected king. Saul committed suicide because he was a rejected king. I'm going to say it again. Saul committed suicide because he was a rejected king, a rejected ruler, a rejected leader. So y'all pastors who think that's the answer, welcome to Saul's realm. And before he committed suicide, he went to the, the gods of the dead 
And Samuel, the prophet in the grave that he was on the earth, said, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Now, people think that that was a 24-7 tomorrow. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Depends on what theologian has the spirit of truth going in them. You know, we got some good ones. But then we got some godless ones. And we need to know the difference. So if you want to talk about a leader killing themselves, Saul is our first model. Because you want a biblical model, because everybody wants to talk to me about, say, I've been getting these questions, what are you saying? And do you think if Christ be in you, you should be filled with the joy of the Lord. You should be filled with the spirit of his life, because in him is life. And if any man have not his spirit, he is none of his. You cannot take your life with the Holy Ghost walking and talking inside of you. Now, you may have, y'all may have started off, so Jesus comes as a seed. And a lot of people abort that seed. I don't like this. I don't want to live like that. Y'all still working with me? So we have Saul. We have Judas who killed himself because he betrayed the Messiah. So we can find some answers to suicide right in there. He betrayed his Messiah for no reason. Well, I'm just going to go ahead on and tell you because we have got to stop this. God hates this. And he hates this because the person who kills themselves is out of the fray. But everybody left behind has to do something with that selfish, heinous, anti-Christ act. Y'all working with me? Because I was trying. You know, I was trying to go on. I'm like, okay, Jesus, we've handled this enough. He said, I haven't. I said, well, okay, we're going to give you the floor today. You just because just you might like it. <laughs> and they're killing themselves supposedly in the name of the Prince of Life, and that God has an issue with. God's like, if you're going to kill yourself, you better, you better blame the right God. Don't blame me. Well, sometimes some, somebody has to do That's what we, we as apostles are doing. So we have this article. I got it on my phone. Thank God for the, the internet. And so it says here, this is this man. This is his lie. He died a blasphemer. Because these are blasphemous words. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. That's a blasphemy statement, and it's a lie. Because we have too many people with the testimony of saying, God stopped me, God's love held me back. So we got too many people where that works. So that's a lie. Wilson wrote, loving Jesus all, doesn't always cure, cure depression. But my Bible say the joy of the Lord is my strength. Put on the robe of what? Righteousness. And then gladness. Gladness. Gladness of heart. 
So you never let Jesus in your heart, so depression never had to leave. Or either you decided that depression deserved your soul more than the Messiah. That's a decision. That is a decision. That's not, before you get saved, it's a condition. After you get saved, it's a decision. Because every day, Paul said, but I think myself happy. He said, I think myself happy. Nobody had a reason to chuck it all like Paul. And he said, but I think myself happy. Did he say it? He said, I think myself happy to talk to you, Agrippa. I think myself happy to suffer for my Lord Jesus Christ. I think myself happy to go have trials and tribulations because they are Satan trying to stop my progress. He knew who his hinderer was. And he knew the tactics that he would use. He talked about it. In 2 Corinthians, when he said what? Casting down. And every what? That does what? Above what? He lacked the knowledge of God. Because the more you know God, the more you know God's business affairs, etc. And he says, so, loving Jesus does not always cure PTSD. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. For we have the mind of Christ. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be transformed. God has a lot to say about the mind in the scripture. Doesn't he? He has an, a great deal to say about the mind in scripture. Every, every time I read it, loving Jesus doesn't always cure anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, make your request known to God. Not your doctor for a prescription. Now, I don't have, hear me. Because see, you know, saints hear linearly. And myopically. Saints are probably the most myopic listeners you'll ever meet. Everything to them is tubular. Right? But hear me. You can have brain damage. Like you can have arm damage, leg damage, liver damage, kidney damage, and you will be treated. But your treaters need to include the prescriptives of life. Amen. So that your heart will be filled with the life that it needs to heal you. To give you your mind back. Now, I'm telling you, if we have people who are born with Down syndrome who are happy in Jesus and loving Jesus and they don't have the faculties we have, there is an error in there somewhere. Simple, simplistic, I just love Jesus. When you love Jesus from your heart, your mind has got to conform. 
When you question Jesus in your heart, when you doubt Jesus in your heart, when you resent Jesus in your heart, it shows up in mental illness. Y'all all right? Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. What is, what is between your, your heart and your mouth? Your mind. So your heart is literally coaching your mind to live or die. Now, so do I think people should have medication? I think medication should be a final resort unless it's an emergency system. Like if you have a, a system, you just had an accident, head trauma, yeah, that's, that's something else. But that's physical, and, and human beings don't just run on their physical selves. Humanity treats the flesh. Eternity treats the, the being. So when you're born again, you get a new spirit, and that new spirit is life. Jesus said the spirit is life, so it's your life source, your generator, you know, that's your spirit. Your soul receives that, and it literally takes that, that forceful, solid energy from the spirit, and it takes it as chemicals that it sends to the body. So if you are born again, that, that spirit is firing off, just like your furnace. It's firing off life from God, from the Prince of Life. Which, and it doesn't have to go far because the Holy Ghost comes with the package. So the Holy Ghost brings your new spirit into your being. He brought it to earth on Pentecost. But he brings it into your body when you are born again. When you repent of your sins. See, mental health is an excuse that humanity must buy. Heaven doesn't buy it. Heaven does not buy mental health as a problem because God said the body is going back to the dust. And your soul is going to God. And so when I studied this about 15, probably longer than that, years ago, more, I'll say more than 15 years ago, God let me know. Now a couple of things happened. When God renders judgment on you, what you read in the Old Testament for natural Israel becomes personified and individualized for the converts to Jesus Christ. So a whole city is not going to suffer because you have a problem, but he's going to use these same rules and methods to deal with it. <sighs> so... For the Lord has poured on you, uh, um, Isaiah 29:10. For the Lord has poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes, the prophets and your rulers, the seers. He hath covered, and and the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which uh, men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he said, I can not, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to him <clears throat> that is not learned, saying, Read this. And he said. I pray thee, and he saith, I am not learned. 
Wherefore, the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Is this all right? So, I want you to understand, God is not stupid. We want to treat him as if he's stupid. God is not stupid. This is not his first time dealing with his creation and dealing with creatures that he has made. And creatures who are tired of him, who are bored, who don't want to be saved, who don't want to live his life. Back then, salvation was a citywide thing. But, then, but, but God's not confused. So he said, God's a heart man. And he, res- he resonates and registers our affection or our desire for him by the nearness or the proximity of our heart to his. That is why he knows when you slip, God, you wonder, well, I, you know, I fell into sin and God didn't do anything because God's registered that a year ago and let you go, which is why your prayer life changed. Because he realized you had resolved to exercise your free will to mess him over. This guy said it. How are you going to unsay the scripture, belie the word of God? He sent his word and healed them. Did he say that? But see, you have to feast on this. Just like you eat natural food every day, you have to eat this every single day because the mortality of your soul is always attempting to disintegrate Christ's truth in you. Because the death agents are committed, determined. Y'all hear determined? Determined to keep you. I'm going to show you all. You're going to love it. Y'all see? So I need you to think differently. Because what I hear, again, as I said Friday, we are always blaming God. We're vilifying Jesus. Well, why didn't he stop? Well, why did they start? Well, Jesus could have stopped them, and they could have believed him. People, usually the final success is not the first attempt. Is that right? The first attempt is the intervention of the Holy Ghost. The second attempt is the warning of the Holy Ghost. The third attempt is the release of the Holy Ghost. Let it be unto you according to your will, according to your faith. If people have more faith in their methods than they have in God's wisdom, what is he going to do? Because usually the first attempt converts people or brings them back to Christ. They start reading their Bible. They start, first of all, they have to repent. See, the problem with mental illness is that you think you don't have to repent for allowing what accessed and deteriorated your brain or your mind. 
to take hope. So I'm going to go to another piece of scripture. I got some. Y'all know I got some scripture right. My, one of my favorite scriptures, the one he told me, because see, many of you, when you minister, when you minister these, they're like, yeah, but you don't know. So I'm going to tell you right now, I, ha- I come from a family of depressed people. I want you to understand this. So Dr. Price, not just, I'm not just dealing with this theologically. My family was depressed. My father was an alcoholic until God saved him and worked a miracle that I'm still spinning over. And he was the alcoholic that they beat in the street, robbed and left, etc. My mom, bless her sanctified heart, and I share this with you because to me it could help somebody. My mom was depressed as long as I knew her until she got saved. And then her, because it takes a lot more than we think, that depression can take on a religious veneer. And it can wrap a clergy collar around its neck and appear pious. Oh, hallelujah, call itself honest. Etc. I have watched when they say, Well, why why doesn't God do something? I was six years old when my mother first tried to kill herself. I was in a house and her head was in an oven. And God sent help. Only only my family knows. I was, I was the oldest. The rest of my brothers and sisters weren't even born. And I didn't understand. I just remember this smell that was making me sick as a little kid. And so I'm sharing. I don't like sharing. You all know I don't do a lot of personal sharing, but this last year or so, God just keeps opening my vault. They took my mother away for a long time because of it. Now, both my parents are dead, which is why I'm sharing, because I would never dishonor them like that. The next time my mother tried to kill herself, she slit her wrists. And that was her last time. She stayed on pills forever. She couldn't hold a cup of coffee. She trembled so badly. You know, you never know how God I don't understand what's in my eye here today. But you never know how God prepares you to do what he needs you to do. Now you say, well, what was wrong with her? My mother was born an orphan. She was alone. And when you have an orphan spirit, you need strong mentors around you. Because parents are a hedge. Parents are guardians. Parents are protectors. Their prayers work. My mother, her mother died when she was 12. She killed herself. She jumped out the window because she had conjunctive heart failure. I know this sounds sad, but you know, there's a, did anybody see the Jesus in this? And that thing passed down the line because you think that's the way to go. I know. 
because I tried at 16. Because that's all my family taught me. You don't like life, life too hard, you end it. So I don't tackle this as one who is an arrogant preacher. I'm not an arrogant, insensitive preacher. I know what it is to have to heal your own mind. I know what it is to face off with those generation spirits and that familiar devil that took your grandmother, took your mother. Come on, somebody. That is a real thing. They, those are those 69 fallen gods of death who are coming for the next one, and they always come for the firstborn. Because the law of the spirit is that the firstborn, everything that opens the womb, belongs to the God of the land. The God of the... That's a generation spirit. And if I can tell you today, that thing still thinks he owns me. And you know why? Because I've become a Moses to him. He wants this body. My mother was on so many drugs, it wasn't funny. Came for, came for my brother, same thing. Messed up his mind and tried to take him out. This whole drug culture is to literally expedite the gods of the dead yes. taking what is theirs or what they believe to be theirs. So why doesn't Jesus stop? First of all, you need to get in Jesus and then you need to stay. And then you need to serve him. And then you need to wait on him. And then you need to minister to him. And then you need to believe him. My daughter will tell you, I'll say, I'll look on TV and say, that's a suicidal soul because you can see it in their eyes. Because when you've seen it, you know that spirit. I know. Don't feel sorry for me. Be excited. I don't want y'all pitying me because that's, that's the wrong response. That's, that's the dead's response. This is God's praise. I did not know I was going to tell you this. And God has been asking me to say this for almost six months. So when I think about it, there are a lot of things that tear the souls. My mother's mother was horrible. And she was horrible because she knew she was going to die and leave her four children. My mother's father, alcoholic, you know, the pissy kind. Thought I'd have a little comic relief up in here. <laughs> My mother's mother, as she told me, had a hook in a, in a particular room. And she would tie her up and on that hook and beat her with the cat and nine tails. Now, that's hard to live with. And she did not like my mother because she said my mother had a sharp tongue. And she said, I'm going to die and people are going to hurt you. So she wanted to beat this sharp tongue out of her. She turns around when her mother dies, the father's new wife locks her in a closet 
for a long time. So why am I telling you this? Yes, mess happens in life that destroys your soul. And that soul certainly damages it and debilitates it so that it cannot understand anything but survival. It is up to us, the treaters, the curers, to sift what they call survival and package what will keep them alive. Ignoring this young man and keeping him under the stress and weight of ministry was a very poor response to his gifts and talents. So we used his gifts. We promoted his talents. And we neglected to investigate and inspect his vessel, and their source. Is this all right to share? See, because when I say things, people ask them, how do you get all this wisdom? Baby, God wanted to make sure I understood life. (laughs) That man was like, you're going to know what this is all about. So naturally, as the firstborn, I'm the one that has to inherit that particular maternal method. Because that's all they know. That's all they knew back then. We, I was so glad we came up with teachers that finally said, y'all don't have to beat them for everything. <laughs> I blessed those teachers today. And had some of the most horrible chastenings from a woman I know loved me, but did not know what to do with me. A lot of you, you hear me talk again, you should not make physical punishment your first response to your child's acts because they may be exploring. I used to to explore stuff. I used to take things apart and put it back together again. Well, the first couple of times, that didn't go over well. (laughs) But you today can see that what I was as a kid. And so... Obviously, I took on that because those generation spirits will use reruns, historical reruns, to take advantage of the symbiosis of your makeup. I was like my mom. So we would, she would do all kinds of stuff to me. So eventually, by the time I got 16, I, I hated it. You know, my mom beat me with a plank and put me out of her house because that's all she knew. As you can see, I understand because I've gone through the cleansing and the purging and the healing of the Holy Ghost. And I hope that maybe this will help some of you all back down off your kids and stop being pawns and instruments of generation devils who are trying to position themselves in the next generation. Is this okay to share? So I'm running down the street. I'm like 89 pounds with a plank. 
Now, granted, I can't even say that I wasn't a difficult child because I was, because after a while, survivors become hostile. That right? Survivors are going to become mean. And they're going to become stubborn and whatever because to them, pushing back on that pain in any way they can is what they learn to master. So eventually, I, I deserved the plank because I would never cry again. And after I got beat, I'd go out. <laughs> yes, I did. I'd step in Sean de la Bosha. And they become very obstinate people, which is why it's difficult to talk them out of suicide. Because it's, it, it has now been upgraded to a survival technique. It's the way they preserve their selfhood, even if they cannot protect their body and their heart. It's a solution. Unfortunately, it is a 100% selfish solution. Because remember, it's their young self, their vulnerable self, that took the blows. And they began to behave like your white blood cells. All they can do is focus on that wound. We've got to nurture that. I remember after they pumped my stomach, the woman said, you know, you have a great life. You have a good life. You should try to live. Now, I didn't even want to die. I just felt like that's how the family did it, so I just went on with them. I was wounded, hurt, traumatized. You know, and, and I thank God every day. The things that you do to stop not just the pain, but the crazy. And the crazy intensifies so much that even... Sanity seems crazy because nobody gets where you're going. Nobody gets your suffering because everybody looks normal to you, which is why you isolate yourself from everyone because no one is like you. You're all alone. You can't take your life until you box yourself into aloneness and futility. So when God started teaching me about the soul and whatever, he knew what he was doing because he knew my life. And he knew when you are called to be great, which is why I keep telling you all, don't punk out on your trials. Don't punk out. Don't fail your tests. There are destiny tests that hurt. And I mean they hurt. But they're supposed to hurt for two reasons, to break you and to make you. So that you would be a faithful priest or minister to those who come to God through you. And if you are not trying to be a lone ranger and you connect with people who can help you use that pain, use that trauma, who can counsel you, who can ferret out the garbage and the trash and leave the treasure. I said to you all a few weeks ago. 
you can, you can actually measure, identify and measure and see your destiny by your sorrows. The things that God keep hitting is because that's what he's getting the richness out of. I'm getting the heresies out of that. And so when you are connected, whether you take classes, whether you go to school, etc., I was able to understand all of this because of my childhood, which was very extraordinarily turbulent. But I understood that I had to take the brunt, first of all, because I'm the firstborn. And secondly, God knew today was coming. I give him a praise. I give him a praise. why I was always picked on. I didn't know why I was always bullied. I didn't know why I was always fought. I didn't know any of those things. And yet, when you live that path, that training course, you feel like even God is against you. You feel like he hates you. And so, you keep trying to get him back by hurting yourself. And I did everything I could to prove to him I didn't need him. But he needed me. He needed me. You may be seated when you're ready. He needed me. He needed me, but he needed the pummeled, pulverized, purged, to turn to dust me that he could build into something that would anchor his people, that would hold up his faith, that would hold up his banner, that would be a pillar and a ground of truth. Yes, God taught me his word. Yes, God gave me revelations. Yes, I went to heaven over and over, Jesus and I all the time, all of that. But none of that worked until I was willing to forgive God for my past. I had to forgive him for the method he chose to get me ready. I had to forgive. I couldn't just overlook. I couldn't just acquiesce because I acquiesced all those years. But I had to forgive him and say, Lord, now I see. I once was blind, but now I see. My eyes are open. Hallelujah. Like Balaam. That says Balaam, whose eyes are open, who sees the vision of the Almighty. I had to forgive him. Because I was blaming my, I didn't want to take responsibility for my part in it. I opted for a solution called be mad with God. That was the solution to me. That was a remedy. And that was my fallback whenever I got hurt again. Fell back on my anger. Fell back on my judgment against God. He said, like he said, your words are toward me a bit harsh. And I fell back on that. 
instead of him saying, but I killed my son for you. So you can't talk to me about how mean you think I've been. I slaughtered my first begotten son. I gave him 39 stripes after they beat him all night long. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They nailed him to a cross. They spit at him. They cursed him. They did everything they could. And I allowed it because he carried something valuable to me. He carried something precious to me. And I couldn't purge him one by one, so I purged him as his embodied seed. That he would be a faithful high priest to those who come to me through him. God didn't want you all coming through me, the, the broken one. He didn't want you to come through me, the bitter one. He didn't want you to come through me, the angry one. He didn't want you to come through me, the weak one. He wanted you to come through me, his finished work. You wonder why the church is sick? Because it's coming to God through sick vessels. Everybody did ministry. They just did not drop the misery. And until you can drop the misery, your ministry is infected. Because it's infested with your sorrows and your pains and your hurts and your anger and your rage and your self-righteousness and your blame shifting. So you talk about, wow, Dr. Price, you hard. I'm not hard. I was hard. I'm now strong. I never let my daughters grow up thinking all of that stuff that I couldn't believe. So I say to you, every man knows their own heart's bitterness. Said so every heart knows that, and if you don't deal with the heart, you can't stop suicide. And when I got 17 years old, because of my, my issues, because I was the reason my mom couldn't go on in life. You understand, she's 16, she's an orphan, and she's got me. And you don't realize some of you all have problems with your firstborn because of how they were conceived and how they came into being at a particular time in your life. What you don't know, though, is that coupled with the sorrow and the resentment in your soul is the way you receive them and inflict your resentment on them. You got to be fair. That's unjust. See, you don't think of it as unjust. When I was hurting, people hurt all the time. Nurses hurt, doctors hurt. They don't mess up your surgery. Unless, of course, they devils and stuff, and that's a whole other class. Thank you for listening to the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit drpaulaaprice.com for resources and training materials for how to think differently and live powerfully. Follow Dr. Price on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Dr. Paula Price. 
see you next time.